0: Hello and welcome to Stories of Scotland, a podcast where we examine history and folklore.
1: I'm Annie, your ancient archivist. And I'm Jenny, your Neolithic artefact. And I feel very, very far away from you, Annie, far back in time and also in location wise.
0: Yes, I am in a little cupboard in Aberdeen because I'm supporting our ballad singer on his ever going brain cancer journey. And you're back in our wonderful house in Inverness, in a much more spacious recording space than me.
1: And that's something I never thought I'd call our studio, Annie, spacious. (laughs) (laughs) You've somehow managed to downsize from the smallest studio possible.
0: (laughs) It's like the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, except... It's just a witch in there. (laughs) (laughs) So true. However, this is really exciting because we've got a brand new season of Stories of Scotland Yay! and we're going to be uncovering and exploring heritage and legends connected to a theme of the North.
1: The North. Oh, Annie, I don't know. North is all relative. You know, if you're in Glasgow, then Inverness is North. If you're in Inverness, then Wick is North. If you're in the South Pole, everything is North. This is a podcast series on everywhere. (laughs) That's a lie, it's the north of Scotland.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But let's kick off with your recent holiday north, Jenny. Let's get into your Orkney diaries.
1: Yes, well, I recently spent two weeks in Orkney on holiday and it was majestic and fascinating and beautiful and calming and altogether just wonderful. I I really didn't want to leave, but alas, uh, my work desk was calling. Capitalism wins again. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, but while I was there, I got to visit and wander around some truly astonishing places, and none more so than Scarabray.
0: Ah, uh, Scarabray. It's one of the most important historic sites in the world, giving us a very unique and immersive connection to Stone Age civilization. So tell me, Jenny, what is Scarabray? And what do you see when you're approaching this incredible UNESCO World Heritage Site?
1: Well, we were staying on the west coast of the main island and we went for a blustery afternoon walk one day. And as we wandered along the beach, a curious seal bobbed along next to us the whole way. And I did try to chat with it in the dolphin call, but it wasn't too receptive to it, unfortunately.
0: Well, that's probably because it was a seal and not a dolphin, Jenny. As we know, you're highly fluent in dolphin, mm-hmm. but dolphins don't tend to speak to seals.
1: This is, uh, yeah, it's a fair point. I'm going to have to do some research on what noise seals make. Do they bark? I feel like seals bark. Arf? Arf? All right, I'll come back next episode with a, uh, uh, with duo, do they do duolingo for sea creatures?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Only marine mammals. Dang. <laughs> Johnny, a seal is a marine mammal. Oh, then we're good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but as we got to the end of the beach and the seal waved goodbye to us, there rose this huge military concrete structure built into the land, um, which isn't a surprise because there are remnants of the wars scattered all over Orkney. So we did what any 12 year old would do and scaled the side of it. And as we popped over the top, lo and behold, we'd accidentally discovered Scarabray. Turns out it wasn't a military remnant, but the seawall that protects the site from the raging Atlantic storms. You discovered Bay, Jenny. Yeah, I discovered scarabree. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Shackleton.
0: <laughs> well, Jenny, it may surprise you that in the modern age, the first people to stumble upon Bay were certainly not holidaymakers.
1: <laughs> well, Annie, I felt very intrepid. <laughs> that is until the lone historic environment scotland um worker told us we had to walk all the way back to the visitor center to buy tickets before we could explore so (laughs) 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 quickly put me back in my place
0: (laughs) well then let's learn more about the history and stories of this amazing site
1: Our story begins with the Stone Age settlement of Scarabre quietly and soundly sleeping. Scarabrae sits inside the earth, patiently waiting for its day to awaken, and millennia pass. The skeleton of Neolithic Orkney is blatant, with cairns and standing stone circles, monuments to our ancient ancestors. But Scarabre is still sound asleep. That is, Until the winter of 1850, when Scarab awakens with a cracking hangover. She's got a mouth like the Sahara Desert and is in desperate need of a good old cleaning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, technically, I think it was just a really long winter of 1849. We all drink to get through the winter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the winter of 1849 was a dreadful one. The coasts of the British Isles were being devastated by some incredibly powerful storms and the north of Scotland is feeling the full force of waves and wind endlessly battering throughout this dark season. And the mainland of Scotland doesn't always know what's happening in the Northern Isles because the weather is too violent to risk the mailboats. And at this point in history, all of Orkney's mail is still being taken across the furious Pentland Firth in open boats with absolutely no shelter. At points, there would be days when mainland Britain could be receiving mail and news from America, which was brought by steamship, but still would have no idea what was happening in
1: Orkney. So no next day delivery for our artisan gin then? Definitely not.
0: Bad weather could cut off
1: communication
0: from Orkney for up to two weeks. And this isn't the only pandemonium caused by the storm. In the early months of 1850, as an enduring winter persists, we see several shipwrecks and countless lives lost at sea. Now, I find it incredibly emotionally rough when I'm reading archival material and it includes tragedies. And this winter is just a thousand tragedies. The accounts of the shipwrecks are absolutely dreadful. One of the boats, the Emma of Dundee, was driven onto the rocks on the island of South Ronaldsea, and the crew were seen on the rigging waving for help. However, no help would be able to get to them as the storm continued to surge, so all the crew were washed out to sea. And horribly this is not a unique story. So many lives were lost that winter. Arkney was mourning and in despair.
1: I always think that storms seem so much different nowadays. Even from when we were younger, the storms used to, to have thunder and lightning and rage so much stronger than they do now. But if you go mm-hmm. back 170 years and these storms are making so much chaos, it's, it's hard to imagine. Yes,
0: it's like a different world. And then, in February 1850, a mighty storm rips up the turf of a knoll on the property of William Graham Watt. Unearthed from this newly exposed wound is Scarabray, reborn by the storm and ready to whisper the secrets of Stone Age lives we previously couldn't have imagined.
1: That is after she'd had some Gatorade and a couple of ibuprofen. Now, (laughs) well... (laughs) William Graham Watt of Scale House was the local laird, and he woke up after this storm and finds that he's lost his favourite grassy knoll. He was raging. But he then found that he had gained a Stone Age extension to his beachside field, which is not a bad trade in my book. And also wasn't in his, for our Willie was keen on history, and so became a merry archaeologist. Now, there's more than one William Watt of scale floating about the coast of scale at this point, so we're not quite sure if it's Laird Willie Watt himself or one of his relatives who is also named Willie Watt that does all the digging to excavate Scarabray. But dig they do, and William Watt's digging uncovers artefacts that have been hidden for millennia. This wasn't quite enough to keep them going, though, for they do eventually run out of steam after uncovering four small houses. The Watt children, however, loved to play in these ruins and even asked their father to put a window in one of the walls so that they could look out to see while they played. Which in a way could be seen as fun for the kids, but in another way, Annie, could be seen as um, terrible for our heritage and any sort of archaeologist cringes when they hear these kind of things coming from olden day archaeological digs.
0: Yeah, that's not great archaeology there, Jenny.
1: <laughs> However,
0: it's not until years later the Society of Antiquaries of Scotland takes an interest in Scarabray. So George Petrie writes about the first major excavation of the site.
1: Well, 15 or 16 years ago, the drift sand, which had accumulated to a great height at a place called Scarab, Was undermined and swept away by the wild waves of the Atlantic, and an immense kitchen midden, apparently of great antiquity, was exposed to view. It was, at some points, fifteen or sixteen feet high, and consisted chiefly of ashes, thickly studded with pieces of horns of the ox and deer, and fragments of charred wood. The discovery, was communicated to me by Mr William Watt of Scale, who showed me various bone and stone implements which he himself had picked out of the mount and informed me of the existence of the ruins of the buildings in the same place.
0: So what I really enjoy about this Victorian archaeologist's first explanation of Scarabray is that of all the things it could focus on, it speaks of a kitchen midden before anything else.
1: Well, a man's mind is in his stomach, Annie. That's how the saying goes.
0: <laughs> you might say he was besmitten by the midden.
1: You might say that, Annie. <laughs> you you could say that, yes.
0: But um... these <laughs> besmitten <laughs> by the midden. I'm fed to
1: that. He was very besmitten by this midden. You're right, but these middens are just massive piles of waste. I love these big Stone Age waste piles because they tell us so much about the societies who made them. Why was there so much ash? Could it have been from all the sacrificial rituals the ancient people of Orkney made to whatever gods they believed in? Could the horns be from the beloved ceremonial ox who they lovingly combed each morning, making sure that every knot that had been blown in by the wind was brushed out before the evening was done?
0: (laughs) Well, as the name kitchen midden suggests, it's just kitchen waste, Jenny. So the ash was probably from cooking hmm. and heating and the bones were probably
1: what remained from their dinner. Oh, that sounds significantly less mystic when you put it like that, Annie. but, 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 if they were cooking a ceremonial ox, beautifully brushed, on the sacrificial fire, then it's still technically a ritual, even if they are just having a roast dinner. isn't that what every sunday night roast dinner still is a ritual to celebrate the family and a chicken
0: anyway these big mounds of kitchen waste were fascinating for the archaeologists who got to examine their artifacts they gave a kind of everyday picture of stone age life you can tell a lot about people by what they eat and it shows us that they raised cattle and sheep they ate seafood and their diet had a lot of protein Is evidence that they had been growing a small amount of barley, plus they would have been able to collect eggs from wild birds. Some of the foods they would be eating are still delicacies today, like oysters Mm. or venison. Mm. But then, beyond the midden, the site itself was phenomenally well-preserved.
1: It's not just a mound of ancient kitchen waste, it's an entire Stone Age village.
0: Yes, so Petrie goes on to tell us that...
1: The ruins at Scarra are altogether so different in type from any hitherto discovered, and the relics which have already been found are varied and numerous. The buildings at Scarra Bray may generally be described as a group of chambers and cells, arranged on both sides of, and opening into, a long, zigzag-winding passage which runs nearly parallel
0: with the line of the beach. So Petrie describes in detail these Neolithic dwellings made of stone. Stone doorways leading into stone rooms with stone furniture. What he is describing is a home, a place where people lived and dreamed and made sense of the world in whatever way anyone could make sense of the world 5,000 years ago. And the artefacts found at Scarabray Give us a really intimate picture of Stone Age life, and the site has been excavated multiple times since the 19th century. Finds from Scarabre include bone pendants with intricate decorations carved upon them, and whalebone pins for either clothing or hair. There are tools made of animal bones for farming and for making more things. There were also a lot of bone. And marine ivory beads. There's even objects for prestige. One of them is a strange knobbly carved stone. Actually there's many strange knobbly carved stones (laughs) but this one is particularly knobbly and has an hourglass hole in the middle of it. Now archaeologists call it a mace head and it may have been a weapon but All we know for certain is that it would have been a symbol of status and power. Or maybe just a symbol of how well you can carve knobs into a stone.
1: (laughs) I've carved a fair few knobs into stone myself. (laughs) (laughs) Have you really, Jenny? Uh, No, actually, I don't have the patience for that. My favourite artefact that they found is the bone dice. For when you want a stone age game of snakes and ladders or monolithally Mono- monopoly Monolo- Monolithopoly.
0: <laughs> was that a really bad monopoly and standing stone joke there Jenny? It
1: was yeah I thought it would come you... out better than it did <laughs> you should go straight to Stone Age jail for that gotta collect some kitchen waste on my way past go
0: <laughs> no Jenny that kitchen waste is full of important archaeological artefacts <laughs> Anyway, the dice themselves
1: are stunning little objects made with skill and craft. And then, one of the most curious objects is the eagle's claw. What value did Stone Age people put on an eagle's claw? Was it a talisman or amulet? Would they have worn it around their bodies or would they have kept it hidden? What did the eagle mean to Stone Age Orkney that they would treasure a single claw? It could have been traded. Or would it have been passed between family members? Was it worn by a skilled hunter or warrior or protector to give them the powers of the eagle sight and skill? Was it a fancy toothpick? Could it have been used in the ox cooking rituals we previously established as fact? So Jenny, we know they cooked ox,
0: but we definitely didn't establish any rituals mm. as a fact. Okay. But the beauty and the tragedy of Stone Age artifacts, which are as mischievous as an eagle's claw, is that A small child, or Jenny, has the same likelihood of guessing its meaning as anyone else.
1: Which makes it all the more fun. (laughs) Clean those teeth (laughs) with that fancy toothpick.
0: (laughs) Just floss like everyone else, Jenny. (laughs) But from what started with a dreadful storm, opened a gateway into this perfect village. A set of Stone Age huts filled with as many questions as they give us answers to.
1: To go back to when Brae was the heart of a thriving community, we need to travel back 5,000 years ago, to before the pyramids were built and even before the Queen was born. Which Queen? The current one! Although technically <laughs> she's only currently radiocarbon dated to four millennia ago, not five, so there's a little bit of discrepancy <laughs> in there. <laughs> but unlike mainland Scotland, Orkney was a treeless landscape. The winds were so strong and frequent, that the only trees that grew were stunted birch and hazel, and these helped form a rolling shrubland and heath over the islands. But it wasn't too boggy. There was no peat on Orkney until well after the people of Scarabray.
0: Well, stop there. <laughs> no bog, no peat in Scotland. Jenny, I don't believe you.
1: <laughs> this is the most outlandish thing I've said all episode, I know. <laughs> and the islands were still hugely exposed to the Atlantic and North Sea weather systems, But the climate in general was milder at the time, so not quite as wet or as cold as it currently is, which means that no peat formed. Now, the people who built and lived in this settlement were Neolithic, people of the New Stone Age. An age that brought with it the turning of earth, the sowing of seeds and the growing and harvesting of grain. The people of the Northern Hemisphere slowly stopped moving with the seasons and the food and giving up the hunter-gatherer lifestyle, the nomads settled down. It is thought that the earliest settlers on Orkney came from the Scottish mainland with sheep, cattle and barley seeds, ready to establish a whole new community on the windswept islands. This agricultural way of life was able to sustain much larger populations than hunter-gatherer lifestyles, and the static community required permanent settlement. On an island with no trees but plenty of flat sandstone slabs, the houses grew from the earth around them. Now, the village was so well covered by the centuries of sand that they are considered the best preserved Neolithic settlements in all of Europe. And because of this, we are able to see how ancient people lived in spectacular detail. And you know, Annie, it wasn't that different from us nowadays. Just a little bit more squished and I'm gonna bet a lot worse spelling.
0: Well, I always think that Scarabray looks just like a wee Lego village.
1: Yeah, you do not want to step on it with bare feet. It will cripple you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, very similar. Um also much, much heavier. Uh for the eight houses in Scarabray are constructed of slabs of red sandstone. They're closely clustered together and connected to each other with a narrow and low roofed passageway. Moving from house to house would have required a low crouch, but once they'd passed through the small doorways, with stone doors that could be closed, they would be able to stand up fully and move around the little houses. From afar, the village would have looked like a rounded mound of earth, with each house's roof, made of whalebones or timber, poking out the top. And while the outside walls were hidden by earth, it is a common misconception that the village was dug down into the ground, For as we've said, it was actually that the centuries of waste created by the community was dumped around the outer walls and eventually became a part of the ecosystem and the village. Of course, the
0: much celebrated middens (laughs) that were first noticed when Scarabay was first exposed
1: by a storm. Yay, ancient junk!
0: But usually these middens are much further out from their community. So why did they surround their village in their own waste?
1: Well, one theory is, and this is my own theory, it's not a professional's, but I think it holds some weight, is that they were just really lazy.
0: <laughs> I mean, they did build houses out of stones, Jenny, so they kind of been that
1: lazy. Well, it's like a hard day working on the house, just going to chuck my ox bones over the wall. Um, <laughs> But the professionals' theory, and I'll be honest with you, this also holds some weight, is that it provided valuable insulation from the wild weather that would sweep from the Atlantic over the bay. So, let's just say that we were both right. But as the site was inhabited continually for 600 years, the Middens became an integral part of the landscape, and so did the village. The community lived in a semi-subterranean life. Protected from the elements and cosy in their interconnected homes. And I mean cosy. Each house is 4.5 metres across and a large central hearth sits in the heart of each home. Giving warmth throughout the cold months and a place for cooking, boiling water and maybe playing play around. It's a bit of a mouthful. Now there is a large bed on the right hand side and a smaller one on the left hand side when you walk in. But what's most fascinating about these houses is the stone furniture that they all have. Each has a large stone dresser with shelves for storing lots of handy Neolithic items. Things like animal skins or stone axes, carved pins and cutlery, and even mysterious carved stone mace heads. One even had a carved Live Laugh Love sign on the wall, Annie. No, it didn't, Jenny. (laughs) Nah, it didn't. But it did have a little stone snow globe of the Ring of Brogdurk. (laughs) No, it definitely did not have any snow globes of any sort, Jenny. Okay, okay, fine, you're right. They were much more minimalist than that. And these cool stone furniture sets would tie any modern-day hipster's nature-aesthetic bedroom together perfectly.
0: All right, I'll give you that one. (laughs) They do have a certain
1: far-north chic to them. Mm -hmm. When we did visit, we were the only ones there. So the lone and very windswept tour guide gave us a secret tour down to a secret trapdoor they have.
0: Wow, it sounds so secret.
1: It was so secret, but it wasn't an original trapdoor. The people of Scarabray weren't that savvy. It's one that Historic Environment Scotland put in. But he ushered us down to it and opened it up for us. And there we were, in awe, staring down into the bowls of Scarabray. The mystical stream that ran through the heart of the village. See, Scarabray had a running stream flowing under the village and it seems that it was used as a sophisticated drainage system carrying waste away from the houses and out of the settlement. Some have even hypothesised that the small cupboard-like rooms the houses have were privies, toilets with plumbing and all.
0: Well, my favourite water feature at Scarabray has to be the limpet boxes.
1: Ah, the limpet boxes. These are square holes sunk down into the floor, lined with slate and made watertight with clay. They might have been used for keeping shellfish fresh before they were eaten, or they could have been used for keeping water in. Oyster shells were a popular remain found at Scarabray, and they weren't always just leftovers from supper. Some of the oyster shells were pierced with holes, which makes me think that they had little oyster shell bras. Held together with kelp.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A beautiful vision there, Jenny. It's A A Neolithic nightmare. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) But my favourite thing about Stone Age folks of Scarabray were that they were super groovy.
0: So were they groovy in a Saturday Night Fever kind of way or in a Eurovision
1: Song Contest kind of way? Uh, Both, but also mainly in a pottery kind of way. The community of Scarabray are sometimes called the Grooved Ware people because they made such disco-dancing-friendly pottery. Not disco balls. (laughs) Like, just like really nice pots. (laughs) (laughs) They made beautiful shallow bowls out of clay. And on these bowls, they carved distinctive grooved patterns just below the rim. This was a common type of pottery for the Neolithic people of Britain at this time. It was truly the age of disco.
0: Well, Jenny, I know why you hang around ruins at the gloaming hour. To meet girls. (laughs) No, Jenny. Well, maybe yes, but also to see ghosties. Mm. And Scarab Ray doesn't disappoint.
1: I am actually not only a professional podcaster and archaeologist, but also a professional paranormal investigator. And I'll let you know, Annie, that the ghosties actually prefer to be called spirits.
0: Well, my dear professional podcasting paranormal <laughs> investigator, <laughs> Professor Gordon Child also noticed these spirits. Now, he was one of the main excavators of Skara in the late 1920s, 1930 kind of time period, and he wrote... Ghosts to guard the walls
1: of the house. There were skeletons of two old women found in the foundations of one of the huts. I do not think it is far-fetched to say that these women were buried there in obedience to the very ancient superstition, that to keep the walls of a new building safe, you had to have ghosts look after it. One need not support that they were killed for the occasion. You simply took someone about to die, and when death came, you buried the body in the foundation of the house. I, I can't believe he actually... This is like a how-to for <laughs> protecting your house. It's like, what if they're taking their time? You're like, gonna hurry up and die. We need to get this wall built. A storm's coming in.
0: <laughs> oh, do you me? But I do find this really fascinating. The idea that bodies buried in the wall will come... You know, back in spirit form and be protective ghosts. I mean, your your very own guard ghosts.
1: Well, it's definitely something you'd tell yourself if you are, you know, you're just doing some renovations and you find a skull. You're like, oh, the ghost is going to protect me, not not haunt me for the rest of my living days for disturbing its (laughs) peace, like in Fivey Castle. If only they'd known she was trying to help. Oh, dear me, true, true. But what if you only had, like, three bodies to bury, right? And they only protect one wall. What are you going to do about your fourth wall? Is that one cursed? You know? Like, what are the logistics of this? Do you have to build a triangle house?
0: Well, Professor Gordon Child didn't actually specify that you needed one body per wall. Okay. So hypothetically, I think the ghosts would probably float around the whole house Mm. instead of
1: discarding the particular wall that they're (laughs) buried in. Don't you dare put that picture up. I hate it. You know I hate that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, not another live, laugh, love sign. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Professor Gordon Child also told us that One of the women had been about five foot four inches tall and the other one was about the same height. Which, Annie, I think, uh, you're five foot four, right? That's your height? Yeah. yeah. perfect. This could be very convenient if I happen to accidentally curse the house and need to protect it. (laughs)
0: Jenny, you wouldn't bury me in the walls, would you?
1: Uh, I'd probably just plaster you in there.
0: (laughs) If anything happens to me... Mm. I want this to be evidence. Okay.
1: Scarabray was not a coastal settlement during the time it was inhabited. It was a fair distance inland, with a freshwater loch between it and the sea. After 5,000 years of storms and the relentless beating of waves, the coast has eroded significantly and is dangerously encroaching upon the Neolithic site. The concrete wall I scaled when I so boldly discovered Scarabrae, it's a storm wall. It was built to protect the site and hold off the sea. The wall was built in 1920, and has been reinforced many times since. It has been successful in protecting the village so far, but because of human-caused climate change, storms are becoming both more frequent and more powerful and it's becoming increasingly harder to protect the heart of Neolithic Orkney. It's so sad to me to think that the actions of modern-day humans are having the real effect of wiping our ancestors' history from the land around us. It's not just Scarabray that's in danger either. Each of Orkney's Neolithic sites is facing problems related to climate change and human activity, be it Increased rain weakening the walls of Maze Howe Burial Cairn, or increased tourist traffic speeding up erosion in the Ring of Brodgar, These sites are under threat from the rapidly changing world. And just, I don't know, <laughs> but just to consider that the way the world is changing is having real-life visceral effects on these monuments, and it's really sad, and we should all, yeah, try and protect them as much as we can.
0: I... Totally agree, and this might be oversharing a bit, but actually, one of the reasons I became an archivist and why I've always been so intrigued with how we remember our past and how we remember our ancestors is that I developed a really strange fear and anxiety as a child. I imagined a world where people would only be remembered by the waste that they made and only judged by what they put in the bin, from every bottle to each tissue. I thought of myself weighed up against a big pile of trash of my own creation and whether my own existence justified that.
1: That's that's troubling, Annie. Are you okay?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tended to overthink things as a child and I still overthink it now. I think that's why I'm so um precious about our recycling at home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are. We are. We're good with it. Definitely.
0: However... Much of what is interesting about Scarabre is their massive pile of waste, their big garbage mound. And we can weigh much of the lives of these Stone Age people by their rubbish. There's something that feels really quite poignant about this subterranean village, which was partially saved because the waste of the community was built around the walls. Um, yet it's now threatened millennia later because people are over-consuming energy. Scarabray is an incredible time capsule. It has the essence of a place like Pompeii, sealed and buried and perfectly preserved for the future. It's as though the air you breathe there is five millennia old. Sometimes I find it hard to feel any connection to folks who lived such different us so long ago. But there's something about Scarabre that is so special and so powerful mm. and makes us feel not so different to our Stone Age ancestors. Perhaps it's the ghosts who guard the walls, whispering millennia old secrets on a strong gust of wind.
1: You have to brush down, not up, or you'll just knot it more. <laughs> <laughs> You're still thinking about the ceremonial ox, aren't you, Jenny? He's got conditioner in there. It's looking fantastic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if you've enjoyed this little delve into deep time, then please be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen on. It really helps people to find our wee podcast and brings joy to our lives and maybe their lives, but not always.
1: And a warm welcome to Sophia for joining our Patreon family. If you'd like to hear more about my Orkney adventures, as well of tales ranging from fairies to Scottish cats, while also supporting Annie and I as we research, write and record this podcast, then you can head over to www.patreon.com slash stories of Scotland and subscribe to our Patreon.
0: I just exist in the world because that's enough in the way that things are today just you know try and find a little bit of happiness get yourself a ceremonial ox and and give it a gentle brush a gentle comb of its hair
1: yep and recycle i think you can do that as well
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you all so much for joining us on the first episode of jenny's orkney diaries we hope you'll join us in the next one slangeva slangeva